0: Hey, this is Brett Miller with another episode of Wood Talks here with the NWFA. I've got a, a guest who joined us on the last episode, Charlie Peterson, for, for part two, where our discussion just started getting pretty deep and heavy about uh, the importance of selling the wood floor to fit the home. Charlie, welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for joining us for this, this uh, second episode of, of Wood Talks.
1: Brett, thank you. It, um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I tell you, I I can't thank you enough for all you do in our industry.
0: Oh, oh thanks, Charlie, and, and and I can't thank you enough for for what you've done for the industry as well, and and for taking the time uh, to sit and talk with me again today for for this this topic that is really overshadowed many times by whether a floor was properly installed or not, and the topic really being the importance of selling wood floors to fit the home. Can you tell tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on the importance of selling wood floors to fit the home they're being installed in?
1: Brett, as professionals, we need to educate the, the client to uh, how they can achieve the aesthetics that their design of their design vision with products and installation methods that will perform satisfactorily. Um, you know, I, I, I see so many floors that. are that are not made for the environment to put in or put in and during the wrong time. A typical inquiry I receive would be a, any size solid plainsawed hardwood floor that installed in the heart of our cold northeast dry winter. The problem starts at the humid spring summer approaches. Recently I um, I performed an inspection of five inch solid plainsawed red oak that was installed in the middle of winter in a mansion. You can underhand a a baseball into the ocean of course by the time spring came along the floors had ripples across from now here trying to imagine this the homeowners had bought the property for millions then knocked it down to make it one another one of their weekend homes so the homeowners were brilliant people and the building they the builder they selected was a very high-end home builder so the the home was beautiful in every way they spared no expense in the construction but it seems like, you know, as, uh, for us wood floor guys, the, the selection of the wood flooring just just falls through the cracks. Right. So, you know, a quality engineered product or even a solid cortisone red oak might have performed acceptable for, for the environment and time they put it in. But the, the wood flooring, as we know, wood flooring can only gain so much moisture before we have a problem. Yeah. You know, and then it's going to expand. You know, if we think about it, a four and a half inch solid board will try to expand twice as much as a two and a quarter. And, you know, on a six and three quarter, we're trying try to move, you know, three times more. Right. So there'd be a lot of forces built up all trying to you know, distort that floor.
0: Right.
1: You know, and as as we see, the, the designers are trying to specify wider boards. We need to educate them on how to minimize future problems with the selection of the proper flooring product, the acclimation, insulation, or the correct HVAC system protected. Sure. Uh, I, I, agree. I agree with Mickey Moore, who used to be the technical director of NAFMA. I think Mickey saw uh, as many oak floors in his life than, than anyone. Hmm. He used to lecture that three inch wide plain sawed oak boards can gain about three moisture points uh, content before they start to move and expand and cause a problem and here up in the northeast uh, that's 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 what I that's what I see I talked to one very high-end condo complex retirement center that had billion dollar places they were using three inch uh, plain on and installing it in the in the heart of winter and I had explained to them that you know, they're going to continue to see ripples in the floor installing at that time of the year. And, you know, if they just changed the rift and quartered, it would raise them out of, out of that area. So finally, they put the extra 50 cents into the floors so they wouldn't have, have that problem. If, you know, if we take, if the plain sawn red oak that I was talking about from that mansion was installed in, in the humid summer, and acclimated to the higher end of the expected moisture range. And, and if it had a humidification system that was well maintained during the dry winter, yeah, you know, that, that five-inch plain sawn red oak might have performed well enough. You know, there might have sure. been small gaps and stuff. You, you know, with the, with the ocean breeze, I'm sure they're going to open up their doors and have those ocean, ocean breezes blow across it. So they might have a little bit of, um, you know, cupping from that. Myself, my personal opinion is I, I don't want to be married to a floor. So I would lean towards selecting a flooring that is less sensitive to its environment and, of course, acclimating it right. And, you know, you think about it. Who who wants to sit there and be married to your floor and worry about it nonstop?
0: Right, right. You know, and it, it seems like, Headaches would be a good way to upsell a customer, you know, to avoid those headaches.
1: Brad, I'm in full agreement. The end user is generally willing to pay more for less problems in the future. A common problem I come across with builders and developers, uh, them not educating their, their, their clients uh, to, to, to a higher-end product that might perform better. When it comes down to every inspection i performed, the homeowner says in retrospect they wish they had done more homework, or given or given more options. Again, it's in retrospect, and uh, they would be willing to pay um, you know more in retrospect. Then again, a lot of times we do have a little bit of hard time, you know, trying to get people to understand that. But I, I wish developers and and builders understood in the end the quality of the flooring and the installation is directly reflective on the reputation the customer gave them the money so in the end they feel they've been cheated by the person that sold them the house i've heard these exact words too many times to count do these floors look like you know the floors of a house that i paid for (laughs) Brett, i've heard that all the way up to almost $18 million houses. You know, it's just the same thing, whether it's 300,000 or 18 million, they all look at their floors and and they think that their builder cheated them. You know, I've I've inspected, you know, talking about building companies, I've inspected just too many floors, one of the largest, I mean, the largest building companies in the United States. And every single one of their clients Said those exact words, you know, that I just repeated. Hmm. They look like the floors that you go in the house. All the floors I, I seen on their projects, it, it's it just never seemed the, you know, the appropriate quality level for the structure they're building. They do have they did have very nice marketing, but for all their houses, adding a little bit injury to, uh, uh, you know, adding more insult to injury most of their installers for longest times were the lowest bidder. And then they would pressure their their uh, installers to to keep on track, otherwise they got penalties. So they had to install it no matter what the conditions of the you know, the house were. So so the same company that's they're they're changing over to engineer products, hoping that will solve all their problems. And I was trying to say, can we just talk that over a little bit, but you know they're corporate people. They're not. They're not going to listen. But back to your question, if we educate our clients to the limits of the products that we're recommending and offer to investigate the fine print on other products, that uh, say, look, we we don't. If we tell our client, it's okay if you don't buy from us, but let's make sure that you end up with no problems in the future. And whatever product you go out and you buy, or you're you're looking at. Let me help you do your homework on it. You know, let's make sure that you're actually getting what you're looking for. I tell you, it, it will build trust and it promote you know, and, your, and it promotes your expertise and and it does open the door for you to sell a um, upsell to to another product. So there are some exceptions to the rule. I I, uh, I t- it's kind of funny, but the worst mill floor is I I've, I've standard for an incredible master craftsman. He would spend years on project custom all the cabinetry and everything on on the last floor i finished for him i said roger I, you know i i don't remember exactly how wide the trim was outside but it looked like 11 inch solid mahogany that he's painting outside of the building <laughs> and he used the lowest quality flooring that before, that you had i tell you the overwood and everything was just amazing roger said I can't justify spending money on wood flooring to my clients. You, must, you make it always look good anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Charlie, can you go over more about your concerns in installing wide plank flooring in the wintertime? I know you're up in the Northeast and you get quite a bit of drastic variation.
1: Right here in the Northeast, uh, we get very humid summers and relatively cold winters. A couple of years back, we had a very cold winter, and I had more calls about gaps than I could count. I tried to get as many people to go down to Walmart and buy a little relative humidity meter and to to tell me what their relative humidity and temperature was to save them the cost of me coming out. Um, you know, you know. Forgive me I'm, for going over the basics. I know we're all talking to professionals out there, but you know, when all homes they have a they have a certain amount of uh, they, they exchange air, a certain amount of air with the outside. The minimum recommended air exchange for homes is j- just say approximately one third of the home's air is being exchanged every hour. So if we go, we have 70% relative humidity air outside at 10 degrees Fahrenheit. When we heat that air up inside to 70 degrees, it, that relative humidity drops to 6%. Right. Uh, 6% relative humidity. Now, Many, many of the houses I've inspected for gaps, uh, do not have a, you know, a working humidification system. I commonly see relative nitties that are under 20%, and some of them have been a lot lower than that. Now, it's kind of funny. That same year, later on in the year, I had a great deal of uh, calls on cupping, um, because, you know, a lot of floors were installed during those dry, dry seasons. And of course, all of a sudden, um you know the, the they're trying to expand and they're they're very very narrow because they were dry um but again you know let's let's elaborate on Mickey moore's rule of thumb um if we say if we take a three inch wide um solid oak board and we install it with a moisture content of six percent or lower now we might start to see see problems in the home if the environment gets, you know, around 50 is sustained over 50%, you know, as, as springtime and summer comes on. So if, if, so if we take a three inch board, that's now rift and quartered cut, that same board might be able to take a relativity of 55% because, you know, we're a little bit more vertical grain, so we can take more. And right. at the same time, if we took that th- same solid three inch board, and made it a, a very good quartic cut. We might be able to sustain sixty percent relativity. So, um, you know, if we install our flooring at seven to eight percent now, instead of the six percent, what we're doing is we're moving our range up a little bit. So we'll be able to tolerate a little bit higher relativity in the summer.
0: You know, it's a great point. Um, and it kind of brings me to this next question and, and that's, can you talk a little bit more in depth about where should you start thinking about a home's environment?
1: Brett, as a professional, we want to do our best to assure the product is going to, um, uh, being installed in is the best for, uh, for the environment. So, you know, what we, what we do is we start off by looking at the geographic maps that, you know, of course are in the NWFA tech manuals. Then we, we look at small things like, like it's the home surrounded by the water. Although the client might say they're going to run their HVA system year-round, they're probably going to open their doors and windows in the spring and early summer take advantage of the beautiful breezes off the ocean that they're paying for. That's that's when you get that call about ripples across the floor. I, I've talked to um endless amount of contractors, seems, and, and the homeowner tries to tell them, oh, no, no. I use AC all the time, and right. of course they they end up opening their doors and stuff. Sure, beautiful breezes. Sure, you must also look at the type of heating system. You know, if, if the house has a whole house humidification dehumidification system, and the type of construction. Um, so, the, the thing is that if we if we go to if we go to tech manuals, uh, the NDFU the has has a great job site checklist. Uh, we, we must search for anything that can cause for moisture problems in the future.
0: You know, Charlie, can you go over how the finishes that are used on flooring only slow changes in the flooring's moisture content?
1: Brad, it's funny you bring that up because I, I know you have a great article covering um, vapor permeance of wood floor finishing coming up. The bottom line is wood floor finishes do not hermetically seal the wood. If we could invent, I tell you right now, I wish I could invent something like that. If we could invent a coating like that, pretty much 99% of all our flooring problems would be gone. Wood floor finishes only slow the transfer of moisture in and out of the flooring over time. But, you know, the thing is, no matter what, whatever the environment of that home, well, that that floor over time is going to correlate, you know, the moisture content is going to correlate to that.
0: So talking about the moisture content in the home, probably one of the most misunderstood terms and overused and and a lot of times misused words in our industry is acclimation. Charlie, can you talk a little bit more about acclimation?
1: Brett, we we talked about the flooring being installed too (laughs) dry. I was recently uh, at a job site and it was raining outside, puddles every place, and inside, the walls and stuff were, were were being painted with latex paint, So gallons and gallons of water just being added to the environment. So there was a high-end builder, and uh, and the owner of a medium-sized flooring company. They they met me there. They these guys both had over three decades of experience in the trades. So I gently started expressing my my concerns about you know the five-inch solid maple planks from the building acclimating in that environment so we talked for a while and, and and i started diplomatically talking about the effects of moisture on it and stuff and then i and then i really i really had uh, <laughs> i try not to show my amazement when i finally realized that these guys both with over 30 years knew nothing about wood and moisture at all so i asked the builder, if we had met because his name sounded familiar and the builder goes and he goes, Oh, I know you. <laughs> I'm like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> you know, and come to find out I had inspected one of his homes. Now I'm trying to imagine this beautiful home, you know, it's um, I forgot what the, they were just doing a renovation, but you know, it's like a three quarter a million dollar renovation. Not a bad one. So he took five inch uh, rifting quarter now with a sloppy rifting quarter. You know, the grain wasn't the greatest vertical and stuff. And he acclimated it. He did a really good job of acclimating. We use that word acclimated. So he put it in a unconditioned house in May and then installed it in October. Oh. So it was sitting in an un- un- unconditioned home from May to October. And the home, you know, not quite on the ocean, but in the area, you can't be more than a mile from the ocean, period, on either side. So when I, when I inspected the flooring, most of the planks had shrunk about 30,000, and then some of them had side-bonded, and the ones that had side-bonded, the actual tongue and grooves were, were coming apart. So the, the gaps are so big that the tongues and grooves aren't, weren't even together. Um, I measured uh, I measured the planks at oh about five inches and five thousandths at a moisture content about seven and a half and, and the, the, the the EMC of the building corresponded to all my readings and stuff, and of course, I used a million moisture meters and stuff and right um, so the home did have an operation humidification system when I inspected, I think I went back three or four times to the same thing just to see, uh, Brett, I, I you know, I couldn't help it. I would go back to three just to see what this poor would do, you know? And so I took a bunch of readings throughout different times of the year. So when I talked to the builder, uh, he said, um, he, he thought they would be fine. He said, um, Oh no, I'm sure they, they just went right back up. You know, it's the, it's the homeowner. Uh, and I really diplomatically have to say that would be very difficult. Right. I wanted to say yes if they turned it into some tropical forest or something. So although the flooring was acclimated for five months, the environment didn't coincide with the with the normal living conditions. Huh. You know, if the moisture readings had been taken and the width of the floor measured, they would have noticed that gee, my five-inch flooring is bigger than five-inch. Right. Um, so measuring the width of the boards could save a great deal of heartache to a lot of craftsmen. I see many of my projects that are just acclimating for a lot of amount of time and, uh, <laughs> and not, not trying to achieve a, a desired moisture content.
0: You know, Charlie, you just talked about two solid plank oak floors you inspected that had problems. What is your opinion on engineered wood flooring?
1: You know, Brett, I, I, believe, a, I believe a properly designed engineered floor will perform superior in, in a challenging uh, environment. But, you know, engineered floor is not indestructible. Uh, the top wear layer is solid wood that is attached to a more stable, you know, uh, cross ply foundation. If the, you know, if if the, if the flooring severely dried out, the top wear layer will try to shrink and overpower the foundation or the platform, whatever you want to call it. Um, I in, in general, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at the, what I generally see is um, the top of the female groove will try to raise it. When you dry out an engineered floor, we'll try and raise up. And if you think about it, if when we cut the slot, for the groove, the weakest point on that board, of course, is above the slot, right? Hmm. So if we try to shrink that wear layer, it's, that's going to be the weakest point. And it tries to, to pull it up. Now, I hear this all the time, you know, and, I'm, and, I, and a lot of the poor craftsmen out there, the, the client has a misconception that a engineered floor with a thicker wear layer is a better floor the problem is the thicker the wear layer the more forces that that thicker wear layer can will have as 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 the moisture changes so um i prefer my, my my personal preference i prefer well first of all song cut and we'll get into cuts of uh four and a half millimeters or less in thickness you know at this at the same time you know a thinner wear layer under four millimeters, you know, say probably three millimeter, uh, you know, will be will be even more stable. But but what we find is as we go below, you know, just around, say, the three millimeter, a lot of that, those are are, uh, are sliced or rotary peeled. Um, and the problem with that is in, in those cases, you know, you're trying to imagine you take the logs and you soak them in very hot heated pools to make the logs pliable and be not cut. So you're introducing a lot of stress in there. So um, now you think about it, you're you're either sitting there slicing it with a guillotine type thing, or basically a giant potato peeler, where you're sitting there and just peeling the log. So on the bottom side of, of where the knife hits, you end up with a lot of little checks and stuff. Well, the problem is if we dry our and they're installed, you know facing down. But if we put those in a very very dry environment, of course below the what the warranty recommends, uh, or if we wet mop them, then all of a sudden these um, these checks open up on the on the top side. I just inspected a rotary peeled hickory floor. That even the sample in the retail room was was checking. Now, of course, actually the manufacturer asked asked me to go over there. I, if it was the, the homeowner that was calling me, I would say, "Please go over and buy, go to Walnut and buy yourself a relative humidity uh, meter and tempter before I get over there, because you might not like the readings I'm gonna gonna get, and they might go against you."
0: <laughs> right. You know, Charlie, you mentioned warranty. That is a big subject.
1: Brett, you're right. You know, you know, before specifying, buying, installing, before, before you sell anything, you really have to look at, at the warranty and look at the fine print. And if, when people call me, I say, please, let's go pull up your warranty before you spend money, before I come over there. Okay. And let's read through that warranty together to see, to see what's covered. And I, I tell you, I haven't really seen anybody read the warranty before. Not too many. So when homeowners are buying a floor, the most, most of the things they're looking at at the marketing words. They, they just see lifetime warranty, 50-year warranty, 100-year warranty. They, they don't go read the fine print in the warranty that makes that, that they can't ever, you know, um, collect on it.
0: No. And that's a great point. You know, the other thing is, you know, you had mentioned great expectations. Can you please elaborate on that a little bit?
1: I had a call from a homeowner the other day there, I think probably within the last week. And he was in the trades. He was a project manager for a construction firm. And he had bought a, you know, bought a floor from one of the largest, uh, well, the floor is made by pretty much one of the largest manufacturers in the United States, period. And the floor is sold to him by one of these floor, you know, uh, you know floor us.com companies that hire people to come out and install it and everything. Um, so the sample shown to the customer from the salesperson from the floor us company um and the whole you know the 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 client took a picture of it had that um then i went on i went on to the website to, to to look and see what it looked like on the website of the manufacturer it matched perfectly with the picture of of you know the red oak floor sample he was shown and but the problem was so you, you had a floor without any knots on either the website or the sample the guy was shown The floor that the guy got was filled with had just knots all over the place and they are filled with a, with a fill that didn't match whatsoever okay hmm. so so here's here there's, there's, a, there's a disconnect the the floor the floor actually met the proprietary secret grade and remember you know like when we had prefinished floors, they they create their own grade. They might call it the most beautiful grade, you know, the most prettiest grade, the highest grade, whatever they want to come up with. Um, and it's probably marketing that does that. Right. But when I talked to their technical people, they didn't have the grade t- in front of them, but they know they knew that, oh yeah, it can have knots in it. So so what happened is there was a disconnect somewhere between between the manufacturer, you know, with, with with, and their marketing, and the distributor they sold it to, and then the the, the fluoresce company to the homeowner. Okay, so so they came out and said, um, you know, you got exact You know, the manufacturer came back and said, no, the, the grade can have that. So. I had to explain to the homeowner and, and and the homeowner's doing it himself and stuff. I said he said, I had to explain to him, you you did get the right grade, it's just that you know it was misrepresented to you. So he's working on that right now. So when we're selling floors, I, I cannot stress to the other professionals out there, it's really important for you to understand national grades. And also proprietary manufacturer grades when when you're selling to a client because you'd be surprised what different grades can actually have have in them. And I tell you, it might be hard because a lot of times it's hard to get any of these proprietary grades uh, of the floors you're trying to sell. Uh, but I tell you, it, it is an opportunity to, to upsell. You're thinking about it. We say to the homeowner, I said, oh. You didn't want discoloration, you didn't want nets, you didn't want checking. I I, I have just the product for you. Or um, or you say to them so they don't come back to you and say, Okay, well, here's our budget, you know, and our budget constraints, you can expect that this level of character mark in your floor will will have small checks in the winter, you know, in your type of house and stuff. So I, I know, I know, a lot of guys will be apprehensive of losing sales by educating the, the client, but um, I think you'll build more trust. Um, you know, again, we I already just remember, just just say, look, any product you're looking at buying, let me help you with it. Let's make sure that you're happy with it, no matter who you buy it with. Let's go over the warranty and the fine print of it and stuff to make sure that what you're buying, you won't have problems in the in the future.
0: You know that education is so key to the end user, educating them, understanding what their expectations are, and helping them paint a picture to understand what the expectation needs to be. Um, You you had made a mention of so many different things that can come into play with how that wood floor is going to perform, and when you're selling that wood floor, everything that comes into play, which you know, like you had mentioned, the different types of environments that that the floor is going into, the wood species, the grades, the grain angles, sizes, engineering designs, the subflooring, the fastening methods, the coatings, Um, just to name a few of what you had mentioned, each one of these scenarios and each one of these considerations with the wood flooring product can come into play with how that floor is going to perform. And as long as the customer understands it, that floor is going to be perfect for them I spoke with somebody just uh, from our tech call line the other day, and he had mentioned, you know, his 25-year-old floors have never been refinished. He, he, it's his pride and joy, but he had a water leak, and he was trying to figure out what it would take to take care of this water leak because his floors were precious to him. Um, every floor can be that way. Every wood floor can be that way, and I think it's the fact that it's a real wood floor that allows it to be 25 years old and have somebody appreciate it that much. But uh, I guess the sad part is, and and you've, you've hit on this so elaborately. And and I think what you've spoken has been so well-spoken to the importance of selling the right product to the customer and making sure that they understand what it is that they're getting. Um, It's just, uh, thank you so much, Charlie. I think this has been a, a, a great conversation and it really hits a topic that I know you and I could probably sit here for three more hours talking about, and, and maybe we'll have to do this again, um, whether it be on this topic or another technical topic. But I sure do appreciate your time. I appreciate what you bring to the industry, what you have brought to the industry, and 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 where we're working towards within this industry from a technical side. Um, I look forward to working with you more in depth in the future. And and again, can't thank you enough for your time on uh, on on this this uh, episode of Wood Talk.
1: Brett, just promise me you'll never retire because all, all those craftsmen need you out there. So thank you very much. And just a pleasure anytime I, I get to talk to you, sir.
0: Well, thank you so much. And have a great day, Charlie. And thank you all for joining us.